The MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bets today. We're also brought to you by IP Vanish. IP Vanish is the official VPN of SGPN, and they're offering 70% off if you go to ipvanish.com slash SGP. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. And make sure to check out our new Discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday, August 1st. I don't want to say July. August 1st. Let's say June. I was about to say June. You were lucky I was on mute because I was ripping on you. Yeah. (laughs) August 1st. Yeah. Currently 510 on the East Coast here to break down some exciting news happening in MLB. I know the trade deadline is a day away. We got some moves that uh, have already been made, and we'll also get into the Tuesday schedule uh, on this episode. And joining me, you guys already heard the voices, but uh, I had to bring my main man back, the man that does everything for SGP and the newly launched Tennis Gambling Podcast. He's on the uh, NBA Gambling Podcast with me and Terrell's co-host, co-host of the WNBA Gambling Podcast. It's Scott Studio, Rachelle. Scott, how you doing, buddy? We haven't uh, gotten together in a while, my man. Yeah, it's been a while. Hope you're doing well. By the way, just that's kind of a side announcement there. The NBA show still exists. We're getting around yeah. to it. We'll have an episode <laughs> at some point in yeah, the next we couple of weeks. <laughs> but you picked a hell of a time to have me on because of some of the developments in the last hour or so, which I'm very happy about. I'm assuming you're not, but we'll talk about those in a bit. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's it, this wasn't planned. I uh, messaged Scott early, early this morning when we did the first uh, pod this morning that, hey, you got time to come on to the MLB pod today. And he's like, yep, I'm game. Uh, and some moves involving his team have gone down already. But we'll get into that in a second. Also joining us in the Great Lakes area, you guys already know him, the young superstar of the show, Noah Beanek. Noah, how you doing, buddy? How's it going, Munaf? I'm doing all right. Uh, I absolutely devour the news of the trade deadline. I wish my team was like on the buying side more than the selling side, like Scott's over there with the uh, you know the Bronx Bombers. Ex- exciting times with them because I don't know. Right now, it looks like they've won, or I mean, them and the Padres look like they've won it uh, so far. But there's one more day, and that one's going to be even more hectic because I I assume once the whole Juan Soto craze goes down and we'll talk about that maybe in a little bit, but like once he's assumed not leaving or he is leaving, that's when I think a lot of these minor deals are start like flying off the radar. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, let's just dive right into it. The news came down that the Yankees acquire Frankie Montas from the Oakland A's. And also uh, there's some, there's different pronunciations. People are battling on how to say his last name, but I'm going to go with Trevino from the Oakland A's. Uh, Scott, I'm going to just let you take this over here, my man, because you were smiling from ear to ear as soon as we got on the stream here uh, <laughs> with the uh, Yankees uh, getting not only bullpen help, but uh, also getting a starting pitcher in that rotation of the A's uh, ace, Frankie Montas. How are you feeling? Uh, I feel great. Now, I would have preferred Castillo if I had the choice. Yeah. However, it seems like the Reds really, really only wanted Volpe. 
and that was the only way they were going to end up trading away Castillo. The Yankees weren't going to do that. So Montes is definitely a downgrade from Castillo, but considering the fact they kept Volpe and Peraza, and even Dominguez, if you want to talk about him being a future guy, then the Yankees gave up, I believe it was their five prospect, their 10, 20, and 21st. Yeah, I think that was the rankings there. Now, Trevino, he's not any good. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like, he was a throw-in in the deal. I'm assuming Oakland wanted to shed some salary because he's been so bad. But I'm going to ignore the, the Trevino part of it because maybe they'll fix him. Maybe they won't. But either way, the main purpose was to get Montes. And Montes is going to be a huge piece for that rotation. Now, when it comes to the other moves that the Yankees made, they also acquired a Scott to join the roster earlier today yeah. from the Cubs. So I got representation with my favorite team. Nice. With Efros uh, being traded for pretty much nothing. I uh, gave up a couple of prospects. Dude's there. No nasty, too. Dude's good. Yeah. But he's kind of a bit of a side armor. Kind of reminds me of like a niece, a Nishek or a C-check or any of those guys. So yeah. he should be a pretty good piece in that bullpen. But the Yankees got a starting pitcher that they needed without giving up any of their main two future prospects. It's a big deal. Cashman did a great job. I do like Sears because he pitched well for the Yankees this past season, but in reality, you needed another starter. Mm -hmm. It's really a great day for the Yankees. You can argue that they're not done yet. I know that Munaf was joking with me before that they still have to trade Joey Gallo, (laughs) and if they don't trade him, then everything else is useless because they're not winning a championship with Joey Gallo. But we're going to see what happens. Yankees so far, I think, have to be the biggest winner right now, and I'm trying to be unbiased. But they really traded for everything they needed without, of course, the Gallo stuff, without completely mortgaging the farm system. I mean, what more could you possibly want as a fan? No, I mean, I, I think that they they hit the nail on the head here. Like you mentioned, they didn't give up any other top prospects. They landed an arm in that rotation that they needed. You can say maybe they got some bullpen help there, but um, who knows? There might be another trade still to make to be made here by the New York Yankees. But as a Yankees fan, you definitely have to be excited about what uh, they were able to do today before the trade deadline here. Um, and like we mentioned, they still have one more piece of uh, um, trade to make with uh, Joey Gallo. And there are some suitors there for Joey Gallo, so hopefully they're able to get him uh, off of the team here and get for the New York Yankees. Well, the I other was going to ask, though, you uh-huh, said yeah, suit. You said suitors as in plural. Suitors. I think there's really one. I saw I thought Mo- Milwaukee was rumored, which might segue us into uh, you know the next trade we're going to talk about. But yeah. Milwaukee was rumored. Then they kind of punted the season. Like kinda. Like we're going to have to talk about that in a second. But I think it'd be weird if Milwaukee now traded for Gallo after the move they made today. I see Atlanta. I think Atlanta's realistic because Duvall got injured and he's out for the year. But I know Milwaukee was rumored to get him or to consider getting him. Does it make much sense for them to get him now? I don't think Milwaukee punted on the season. I actually think it does sort of make sense for their build and what they're trying to do. Hader would have been a free agent next year. They can't pay for him. So they had to get what they could for him. And I actually think that, you know, you said the Yankees won it. Uh, the day at least because there's one more day here but the Padres could put up a very good argument with that as well acquiring a top three closer in the game right now left-hander weird uh, arm angle Josh Hader has had a rough July but overall I still think he's a top three closer in our game right now and it's just kind of the way that the Brewers are kind of run here Um, they 
get rid of one of their highest priced guys and they get a couple of guys back. They got uh, Taylor Rogers, who was San Diego's closer, who's actually been struggling right now. Uh, as I was well, going to say, so. are, are you happy with that return? No, well? I don't think I don't think you're like very happy with it, but he's controllable. He's got like another yeah. year and a half on his contract from what I believe. And you're closer now is going to be Devin Williams, who's been one of the best relievers in the game right now. Um, so I really don't think that they are out of the running. They also got Denelson Lamette, who's an interesting arm in that deal. Um, Milwaukee did. So I, I, I still think that they could still compete to win this NL Central, given that maybe the Cardinals do not land this Juan Soto thing and it goes into the offseason like you think. I'm not saying they're going to lose the division. I'm just saying if you want to talk about any pipe dream title chances, it seems like Milwaukee was refusing to fully invest into making a move that would put them over the top or at least to have some type of financial responsibility for Hader for several years. And I know the Brewers fan base is a little bit annoyed that the front office keeps cutting corners. But either way, I think they could still win the division because the because the NL Central is terrible. I mean, it's only yeah. them and the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. I just meant they kind of punted it from the sense that they're not going to win a World Series. I'm not saying they're going to win one with Hater yeah. anyway. Yeah. But it, it's tough to see them winning it. But I would say it, it avoids a rebuild and it keeps them winning for a few more years down the road because they do not have the farm system to uh, have a quick rebuild. Let's just say that one. Well, I am going to ask you, though, do you like the actual return for Milwaukee? Because, of course, I think San Diego won the trade. I think it's a no-brainer. You get Hayter in there. You're going to get Tatis back off the IL in probably a week. And the Padres are finally ready to take an all-in stance, and they're going to try to do something. So I respect that move. For Milwaukee, I know Ruiz is a very sought-after prospect, or he was. I watched him play with San Diego. I thought he was a pretty good contact hitter, basically no power, but he's got a bunch of speed. Speed and contact. I was going to say, that's basically it. But Lamet, I don't know what to think of because I liked no. him when he was healthy, but he can't stay healthy. It's a good gamble, though. It's a, it's a gamble. And then you have Rodgers, who's been a mess. Is that really the best you could have done for Hater? I think you get an established MLB starter or reliever with Lamette. He can go distance in the bullpen. Um, He has been a bottom-end closer in the MLB, but he has experience in that role. So he's a good leverage situation left-hander for you um, to replace. I I assume that Williams is going to be the closer and he's going to do his best attempt to replace Hayter as a left-handed leverage guy. Um, and then Ruiz, he'll be up in a year or two, and he's got extreme speed to go in that outfield with uh, the power bats. As of right now, it's Renfro and Yelich. I assume Yelich is still going to be there, but we don't know about Renfro. But he's a good mix to go with both of those good bats, but not really defenders. Um, but I think, like you said, I think the Padres won this trade. And it's also, we should mention, they signed Joe Musgrove for five more years too. So the yeah, hometown yeah. guy's staying there. He's going to nail that rotation down for the next five years. He's very good signing, and I'm sure our guy Johnny Junta's happy with that. I am going to ask Munaf, though, because mm-hmm. it seems like we're slightly disagreeing about Milwaukee's return. You seem a little bit higher on what they got than, than No, me. I'm... For me, for every time I think of Milwaukee, is I don't care about the well. Not say I don't care about the the moves that they make as pitching wise. For me, it's their offense. Like they haven't really done anything like to upgrade the offense. It's like they're always bottoms in the league as far mm-hmm. as runs scored, batting average. I think that's where I would be as a fan if I was a Milwaukee Brewers fan. Is where I want to see upgrades made by their front office on this offense. Like we know that the pitching they have 
two salt top of the rotation guys with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. You're getting Peralta back as well. Your bullpen, your back end guys are great. It's just offensively for me, like they haven't done anything really to upgrade the the batting order. I mean, you have Christian Yelich, you know, you have Rowdy Talese who can hit bombs, but other than that, like for me, it's guys out there kind of hoping get hot and and something happens, but it, it hasn't happened for them. I'm I want to see them go out and get a consistent bat in that batting uh, batting order for the Milwaukee Brewers. That's where I'm kind of out with the Brewers. And that's kind of my point that I'm going to ask you then, Munaf, because you're getting Peralta back, so you do have a big three, a three-headed monster for yeah. the playoff series. And Milwaukee has done nothing for the offense for the last couple of years. So I just find it very weird that Milwaukee just decided to fully pull the plug. You still could have flipped Hater after the season. I just sure. find it weird you, you pulled the plug now. But since I want to ask about the return, Munaf, I'm going to ask you as kind of the tiebreaker. Do you think Milwaukee got enough? Because I really I don't think so. am not a fan of their return at all. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I was kind of on the fence about it. But if you're kind of looking at it, it's not – I don't think it, it's a lot. I mean, Taylor Rogers, what, he's second in the National League or in the entire MLB and saves. Josh Hader was number one. Um, and, and we talked about it with Hader that he was having a great season prior to July – July, okay, he got in some trouble, but what pitcher doesn't? They go through slumps, mm-hmm. but I just don't feel like it was enough for what Josh Hader has done for this organization uh, for them to you know, not get enough back from the San Diego Padres, in my opinion. I just think if you're going to trade your star closer and you're going to try to kind of find a middle ground between contending, contending with quotes and mm-hmm. rebuilding, you got Rodgers and Lamette. You really couldn't get another young prospect in there? And they could have, and they didn't, right? Because they do have the yeah, and maybe they're saving those prospects for a Juan Soto deal. So who knows? Um, One more trade, sort of just a rental. Yeah, that's we'll see. That's the price. Yeah, one more trade that did go down: the Astros acquiring uh, Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles. Um, You know, being down here in 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 Houston, you know, they were in rumors with Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals, uh, but they do get Trey Mancini probably to be the replacement for uh, Michael Brantley in that lineup, or even possibly Yuli Gurriel, who has kind of has been struggling. But I think it's more so for uh, Michael Brantley, who may or I don't think he'll be back this season because of the injuries that he is battling. But Mancini, guy that can play first base for you, can play outfield as well. Um, initial thoughts on this trade, uh, if you have any, Noah, for Mancini to the Astros? Um, so I, I guess I don't really have any thoughts for the teams in general. I think um, it's a three-team trade between Houston, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think everybody got what they wanted. I think baseball's good guys kind of took a hit here because Trey Mancini has been Baltimore forever. I thought he was going to stay there for most of his career. When you think of Baltimore, he's been the guy for the past few years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's tough seeing him leave that team uh, knowing that he wanted to win in Baltimore. It's also, also tough seeing the ramifications of the deal. Tampa Bay got involved. They got Jose Siri, the young center fielder from Houston. He's going to fill in um, for the injured Kevin Kiermeyer for the rest of the year with Tampa Bay, but it's tough. They DFA Brett Phillips. So it's like the good guys of baseball took a hit today. Yeah. Scott, any thoughts on Mancini to Houston? I think it's one of those classic reinforcement trades, which you're not really going to read much into on a day-to-day basis. But if Mancini ends up with a big hit with first and second, two outs in the playoffs, then you're going to talk about it. Yeah, It's one of those spots where Houston, even though they've been very good this season, offensively, their numbers are pretty middle of the road. So if you want to talk about getting a guy who could 
potentially give you a big hit when you need it. Gives you a little bit of power. Can also play a couple positions, so you do have some versatility there. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense for a team to, that is going to be easily in the playoffs, potentially with home field throughout the entire American League, trying to give one last, I'd say, effort to provide a jolt to the offense. Now, Mancini this year has not been great, but we know he's capable of doing it. Yeah. And I like the move for Houston. Now, for the other teams involved, I actually like the move for Baltimore. And I know that they're a fun story. They had the big winning streak. People were betting on them to win the American League for some reason <laughs> if they hate money. But still, the point is it seems like the front office knew that they were ahead of schedule. This wasn't supposed to be their year. They have a lot of very solid young pieces that have looked pretty good so far in their young MLB careers. And they decided it was time to get rid of a veteran for some younger pieces. And it might not make people happy that have money on Baltimore to make the playoffs, but I mean, they're trying to do it building on the future and Baltimore's future is probably what a year or two down the road. I agree with you. I like yeah, the deal. 100%. So I yeah. like that move and Tampa's just in there for some reason. And they got a center fielder or an outfielder for Kiermaier uh, as a replacement. But I'm a little, I mentioned it before we went on air. I'm a little bit confused on what Tampa's doing. It's like they're trying to salvage the season, but they're, of course, one of the cheaper organizations in all of baseball. So I find it weird that when everybody got injured, Fr Franco's out, Zanino's out, Kiermaier's out for the year, half the bullpen's injured, Glasnow's not going to return. They decide to trade for Peralta and Siri. Do you think it's a little bit weird with the timing that Tampa's actually buying at the deadline? Because I thought they'd be selling I don't think I think the timing's actually fitting because you see Boston struggling here and Baltimore selling. Um, the argument make I don't think they're a very strong playoff team, but this is going to keep them in that playoff race and probably slot them in that seventh or sixth wild card spot. Who enough? Yeah, I think the Rays were dealing with a lot of injuries too. Like we were talking about it offline with Kiermaier gone for the season. Eventually, you're going to get uh, Wander Franco back. Um, but, you know, Steri's, you know, being a local guy here in Houston, I mean, he, he's a pretty good – he's going to be their everyday outfielder now with, like, yeah. like yeah. Uh, uh, Noah just said, there were Kumar gone for the season. And I'm kind of looking at the wild card standings here that uh, they are currently – let's see, they're right in that um, – the third spot in that wild card uh, positioning. So, you know, they're kind of going for it. They got David Peralta from the Diamondbacks earlier this week. Um, and then they also right now got Jose Siri. You're expecting guys to come back in this lineup. So, I mean, they're not they're not a World Series contender, I don't think. But, you know, Tampa Bay Rays are just one of those teams that are always in contention or always making the playoffs, but always have that first round exit, whether it's, you know, to the Yankees or the Red Sox last year, you know, whatever the case might be. But, um, you know, I guess they're just trying to make it, things exciting over in Tampa Bay and really compensate for the injuries that they have been dealing with. Yeah, the, um, the Siri so acquisition I like is he's young. Yeah. It's yeah. really the Peralta one, which doesn't make any sense to me, which is why I'm kind of confused why they decided to buy a rental. Yeah, That is the one that has me scratching my head. The Siri yeah. one, I like Siri. He's a young player. He's got talent. Sure. He can build with the rest of the core. Yeah, A one-year rental with an injury-prone player, Peralta, while your team's already injured to hell? Like I don't, I don't really get that move, but that wasn't today. That was a couple days ago. Do you understand yeah. that yeah. move? I didn't get it either. It kind of was head-scratching for me, but also was kind of like... Like the amount of injuries that this team had, I feel like they just had to make some type of move. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It may, it probably does turn into a rental for um, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays there. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's get into the Tuesday game schedule. Uh, as usual, go through every single game. A couple of changes that did happen because of the trade. So Frankie Montas was slated to go tomorrow. 
against the Angels, but that has been scratched out. But before we get into the schedule, let me tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, WinBet. Make sure to get down on Wins Bet $50 win, $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, if you're betting baseball, and you are because you're listening to this podcast, check out WinBets and their reduced juice in baseball games. It really makes them the best place to bet on MLB. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bets today. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And also come join the SGPN Discord and make sure to check out our new Discord server. It's really the perfect place to interact and sweat bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. All right, gentlemen, let's get into this Tuesday schedule in Major League Baseball. Let's kick it off with the first game, early afternoon game uh, on Tuesday. It's a 410 Eastern start. Colorado Rockies in San Diego to take on the Padres. Jose Urena on the mound for the Colorado Rockies and you Darvish on the mound for the San Diego Padres. Looking at the lines for this game, I am currently seeing. I do not see lines for this game yet. I was going to say it's, it's a double header. So yeah. they might be flipping some pitchers. Um, so let's just go with the two listed pitchers that we uh, do have here. Gentlemen, um, I will let you lead this one off here. Um, Scott. Well, I mean, you know the Padres are going to be laying about 200 or yeah. higher. I mean, it, it's it's a no-brainer even with no posted lines. So the real question is, are you taking San Diego on the run line or not? And the Rockies have Urena on the mound, who's been actually okay. Like, his numbers aren't great, but for the Rockies pitching staff, he's actually been decent, or at least better than they thought he was going to be. Darvish, though, has been very solid, 9-4 and four this season, 3.24 ERA. You look at the home numbers, he's been amazing. 1.94 ERA at Petco. Are, do we know exactly when Tatis is coming back? Like, is there a chance he plays in this game, or are we still like a week out? I think he's still like, maybe yeah. a week or two away from still got a couple back. of rehab signs um, to go. Yeah, so, I don't think that he, he's even hitting the ball for T yet. Okay, no, he was sure taking I, BP the other yeah, day. Yeah, he was taking BP. Okay, okay. I was asking. Yeah. Okay. But either way, I got to go with San Diego here. The Rockies, it's a usual Colorado team. They're not very good. They're somehow around 500 or above 500 at home, and they're one of the worst road teams in the league. We see it every year. And San Diego just made their all-in push. I'm assuming that Hayter will be on the roster for this doubleheader because he'll be able to travel. So that kind of shores up some of the bullpen concerns I had for San Diego, which was the main concern I had with their team. So I guess the one concern you have is San Diego's offense actually going to show up for this game. But with Darvish on the mound against an awful road team, I – Gotta like San Diego on the run line here. It's gonna be very publicy, but I gotta go with Darvish at home. Yeah, Darvish, like you mentioned, he's been absolutely solid at home. That's what really kind of is a tipping point for me. Five and one with a one point nine four ERA, like you mentioned there, Scott. I agree with you one hundred percent. Uh Noah, you have anything for this game? Um, I, I think, you know, with the way that they've kind of rejuvenated their uh franchise and the team and the fans, I think they go out there and perform pretty well in this doubleheader. And honestly, uh, Colorado away from home, and then you look at the trend this year, it's been when the Padres do win, they win by two or more. So 
one and a half the run line here. Like Scott mentioned, it's probably going to open. They're going to be 200. The run line looks enticing. All right, let's keep it moving here, guys. Next game on the board, Cincinnati Reds in Miami. The take on the Marlins, a 640 Eastern start. Graham Ashcraft on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds and Braxton Garrett on the mound for the Miami Marlins. Looking at the opening opening lines for this game, Miami Marlins are a minus-120 favorite at home. Uh, the Reds are even money on the money line. Over-under set at 8. Slight juice towards the under at minus-115. Run line minus-1.5, plus-155 for the Marlins, and plus-1.5, minus-180 for the Cincinnati Reds here. Uh, Noah, I'll let you lead this one off. Marlins versus the Reds. Yeah, so I just want to throw out a disclaimer here before I cap any of my games. I have 10 teams on my slate that I have the lead handicap for. All 10 of them could be buyers or sellers here at the trade deadline. This is one of the most frustrating days to handicap baseball games, and it feels like every one of these could be buyers or sellers. The first game, Cincinnati-Miami, both of them could be selling here. I don't know if Jury's going to be gone. I don't know if half this Miami uh, bullpen is going to be gone because they have uh, somewhat held water with Anthony Bass back there, and they also have uh, Bender as well, who's been injured. Um, but just like, I, yeah. what what were you going to say, Scott? I was going to say I can guarantee you on the bright side, the Reds will not be buying. No, they. <laughs> I don't think either one really will be uh, intimate buyers. Miami might get one piece to try to compete for a wild card spot but i actually think that they might sell some of that bullpen but just last week these two teams split a four game series barring any trade deadline activity from the two teams graham ashcraft he's four and two on the year six of his 12 starts have been quality 464 era 46 strikeouts 17 walks 66 innings pitched this year he has a 692 ERA on the road. And then for Miami, Braxton Garrett's going. He's 2-4 and four on the year with three of his 10 starts that are quality. 3.96 ERA and 55 strikeouts, 12 walks, and 52.1 innings pitched. He's had seven strikeouts or more in his last three games. I like Garrett. I lean the Marlins to win this game. But I think both teams' pitching staffs are going to give up plenty of runs to cover uh, the over here. So I got runs scored on Cincinnati throughout the whole game. I like Miami to win it. Um, and then I think that Cincinnati is going to attack a few on Garrett because he is prone to giving up a couple of runs here. Yeah, Graham Ashcraft, um, thing that really kind of you know differentiates for me, for him, is that at home, 3-1 with 3.46 ERA, road 1-1 one, one with a 6.66 ERA. Been great in Cincinnati, but on the road is where he gets in trouble. His last start, uh, like you mentioned there, Noah, was against Miami at home, but he he went six and two-thirds innings in that game. Gave up eight hits, three earned runs in that game, uh, two walks and six strikeouts. And Braxton, um, uh, I, was about, I was about to say Braxton Miller, but Braxton Garrett, um, you know, his last start against the Reds wasn't very good either. Five innings pitch. He also gave up five earned runs in that game as well. Did strike out eight in that game, but um, I think – I feel like this number is a little conservative on the on the total as well. I'll lean with the Marlins here as well. Um, Scott, do you have any thoughts for this game, Red than Marlins? Over. Uh, I yeah. can't only pick a side <laughs> with either team, but I get the idea of pricing two terrible offenses in a pitcher's friendly park at eight. These pitchers aren't good enough for an eight. Like, I, I get the idea and the logic behind it, but the bullpens, you mentioned yeah, how Cincinnati's Miami, bullpen's the worst in the league. So it's the worst in the league. Miami might be dumping some of the pitchers. We're not sure. And both lineups aren't great, but they're they're still professional hitters. I mean, you're against two pitchers who've been pretty underwhelming. 
and you get a win automatically if both teams get to four because you got the extra inning draw. I got to yeah. like the over. Yeah, I, I want to mention this too. I, I did my little disclaimer. I, I, I don't like that it's at six o'clock this year, Eastern time, because all these games are starting right at like, six here or like this one's 410 this is technically one on the uh the first one is technically one on the west coast but we're gonna have some in-game trades i think yeah and again that's why you got to kind of take the the at least to uh tomorrow or on tuesday here as uh with some with the great install so definitely i would have my notifications on uh for uh tuesday especially with the trade deadline day uh in mlb but um let's keep it moving here guys next game on the board milwaukee brewers in Pittsburgh to take on the Pirates, 705 Eastern start. Burns on the mound for the Milwaukee Brewers and Wilson on the mound for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like out the lines for this game, minus 245 on the money line for the Milwaukee Brewers, plus 205 for the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, on the money line. Over under set at eight with juice towards the under at minus 120. Uh, on the run line, minus one and a half, minus 140 for the Brewers and plus one and a half and plus one and a half, plus 120 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Corbin Burns, another great year. He's having Cyan Caliber year. He's eight and four on the season with a 2.31 ERA, 160 strikeouts to 31 walks. Over his last five games, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, two and zero with a 2.01 ERA, uh, seven earned runs allowed, and only 31 in one thirds innings pitch. Two starts this season against the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he is two and zero with a 2.08 ERA, 13 innings pitch in that span, three earned runs allowed, 15 strikeouts to four walks. Uh, his last start. Wasn't, I guess, Corbin Burns quality because he did give up three earned runs and in six uh, innings. That was against the Minnesota Twins. But like I mentioned, the uh, two starts that he ha- he has had against the, I'm sorry, the Pirates this year, um, he is a perfect 2-0. and And I'm trying to look up the run line in those games. Back on July 1st, the uh, sorry, the Brewers won that game 19-2 to against the uh, Pirates. And then back on April 19th, Brewers also won that game in Corbin Burns squad by five to two on the run line as well. Wilson has not been very good, I guess we can say, uh, for the Pittsburgh Pir- uh, Pirates. One and six on the season with six point three one ERA. He has had uh, good outings against the Milwaukee Brewers. Ten innings, he's only given up two earned runs, but recently he hasn't been in good form um, for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. One and three with a five point zero zero ERA. Really, only one way I can look in this game, that's going to be the um, Brewers run line. I know it's still juiced at minus 140. Possibly looking at Brewers team total in this game as well with Wilson on the mound. But, um, Scott, do you have any thoughts for this game between the Brewers and the Pirates with uh, Burns and Wilson on the mound? I just can't believe Bryce Wilson's still in the majors. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I, I get that there are a lot no, of awful yeah. teams out there, and you got to have somebody who you can call up and everything like that. And Wilson had an okay run there with the Braves, but yeah. I mean, do you really need to see more? Like I don't, he's I don't. awful. Like I, I, don't. I, don't, I don't know why anybody would think that he's going to suddenly match Burns in a pitcher's duel. I don't see that. I think the Brewers open up a decent lead early. Plus, Pittsburgh already traded some pieces. They got rid of Vogelbach, who was one of the only offensive players I actually liked on that team. But Pittsburgh, there's nothing to like about Pittsburgh. They've been playing terrible baseball lately. And the Brewers, even though they traded Hayter, and I question the direction moving forward, they still should have enough to beat Pittsburgh pretty handily here. I'll go with yeah. Milwaukee. Noah? 
I'm going to take everything that you guys said because I completely agree. I don't like Wilson. Burns deals against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's 0-7 in the last seven games, and Milwaukee's 11-4 in their last 15 against Pittsburgh. So everything's going Milwaukee's way here. Um, I like what Insano's saying in the comments. Burns' K-prop looks enticing. Uh, First five, they're going to jump out to an early lead with Burns on the mound. Um, Money line, run line, take it all. Team total even. Yeah, Pirates uh, this season, as far as strike, uh, team strikeout percentage uh, on the season, they rank number 29 out of 30 teams. And over the last three games, they're also number 28 out of 30 uh, out of 30 teams as well. So definitely we will be looking at the burn strikeout props here tomorrow against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Next game on the board is going to be the New York Mets against the Washington National 705 Eastern Star- Start. The return of Jacob deGrom for the New York Mets. Corey Abbott on the mound for the Washington Nationals. Looking at the lines for this game, Mets are a very heavy, heavy favorite, almost a $3 favorite here, minus 280 on the money line. Nationals plus 235 on the money line. Over under a set at 8.5. Juice at minus 110 both ways. Run line minus 1.5, minus 165 for the New York Mets, and plus 1.5, plus 140 on the run line for the uh, Washington Nationals. Scott, I will let you leave this one off, my man. The return of Jacob deGrom. So it's really a tough one because I don't know if Soto is still going to be on the team. I'm assuming he will be for the sake of this breakdown. So DeGrom hasn't pitched in a major league game in a while. And I understand that when healthy, he's the best pitcher in the league. And it's not really close, but minus 300. Like I, I get the nationals are a bad team and the Mets have been rolling. They just swept Miami. They're doing very well, but I, I can't justify taking the Mets. I, I just can't do it in this spot. On principle, I tend to fade pitchers that are coming off the IL or that have yep. long layoffs because they're extremely mispriced. You said it was plus money, like plus 140 for the Nationals, plus one and a half. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going. Okay. I don't feel great about it. I probably won't bet this game personally, but I cannot wrap my head around laying 300 with a guy who's not pitching the majors in what a year? Yeah, right around a year exactly. I think I can't. I can't do it. Now the Mets could easily win. Wouldn't surprise me. I'd maybe consider a team total over for Washington. Okay. If you think Degrom is going to either get pulled after five, we don't know exactly what the leash is going to be for him in this outing, or if he just struggles. But I actually don't mind taking a spin on the Nationals in some capacity here because people just assume Degrom's going to show up. And he's going to potentially have a no hitter against the Nationals. It's not going to happen. No. Like I, I just, I have to be consistent. And if I'm going to fade pitchers coming off the IL or long layoffs in other spots, I'm going to do it for Degrom too. So I'm actually leaning to the Nationals here. I think this price is absurd. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said there. That you know, number one, he's coming off the IL and hasn't pitched in the majors for right around about a year now. Don't know how long he's going to be out there. Whether it's three innings, four innings. Five innings, he's going to be on a pitch count. We don't know that information yet. I was trying to scoop that up while you were giving your handicap. But as a $3 favorite, I, right now you can't get behind that. I don't think you know anybody will either. But, uh, Noah, do you have any thoughts for this game, Mets and Nationals? Yeah, so my thoughts, I'll address the question by Insano in the chat. He asks, what do you think the K-prop will be set for DeGrom? I actually think it's going to be like 6.5, 7.5. I like the under because, like Scott mentioned, I think he gets pulled somewhat soon after like five or maybe six innings, depending on how well he pitches. But I really, 
I'm not going to entice the Nationals on the money line here. I don't think that they are going to put up enough runs to keep up with this Mets offense right now. They're 6-0 and with Vogelbach in the lineup uh, since they've acquired him at the deadline. The Nets bullpen, it's rough. Um, for me, I... I'm probably just going to stay away from the game because I think it's too juiced on Mets side and I'm not uh, confident enough in backing the Nationals. My one play, I guess, would be like a first five team yeah. total on the mm-hmm. Mets or something or uh, an under on DeGrom. I hate taking unders on K-Props just because rooting against guys, but like, uh, and especially DeGrom. But uh, I don't see him pitching long enough to get eight strikeouts, seven strikeouts. And once yeah. again, I'm, I'm going to be most likely staying away from this game. But if I'm yeah. looking at how I'd break it down, I, I just can't lay 300 here. No, like, I, 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 I don't. Do yeah. that. I can't do anything. I don't advise it either. Yeah. And the Nationals are one of the teams in the league that don't strike out very often. Uh, maybe that's something that will, you know, regress once it when and if Juan Soto is traded or even Nelson Cruz is traded as well. And maybe you have young guys in this lineup. But right now on the season overall, they are. Uh, the second, I guess, second best team as far as team at strikeout percentage at only 19.4 uh, over over the course of the season. So uh, definitely, I think we'll be staying away from this game and just to see how, you know, Jacob DeGrom really looks uh, coming back uh, after almost or over a year uh, layoff uh, with the injury that he did sustain. All right, guys, next game on the board, it's going to be the Seattle Mariners uh, in Yankee Stadium to take on those New York Yankees. 705 Eastern start. Logan Gilbert on the mound for the Seattle Mariners. Jameson Tyone on the mound for the New York Yankees. Looking at the opening lines for this game, I'm seeing the New York Yankees are a minus 165 favorite, plus 140 on the money line for the Seattle Mariners. Over under set at 8.5 with juice towards the under at minus 115. Run line minus 1.5, plus 130 for the New York Yankees. Plus 1.5, minus 150 for the Seattle Mariners. Um, no, I'll let, you lead, I'll let you lead this one off. Mariners and the New York Yankees. Yeah, so this one, this is one of my only game that I think might be a stretch with both teams might not make a move tomorrow. Uh, you know, Seattle, they went out and uh, made some moves earlier here and uh, the Yankees made all their moves today. They might trade away Gallo. Um, but I think one storyline that I think a lot of people are sleeping on right now is the Julio Rodriguez injury. Yeah. Um, he's on the aisle right now and that kind of saved Kyle Lewis. I thought that Lewis was going to be used as a piece in some kind of deal here at the deadline. I would keep my eye out on this kid because uh, he has plenty of talent and he's now getting an opportunity that he originally didn't have with J rod and center. So, um, my eye would be on Kyle Lewis in this game in Seattle's last 20 games take out their six losses to Houston. They're 14 and Oh, <laughs> um, that, that next team that resembles Houston though, it's New York. So I don't really would, I will I won't kind of use that one in the handicap of this game. Logan Gilbert though, did win two of those games against Houston. Uh, he's 10 and four, 10 quality starts 278 ERA uh, on the year eight, 118 strikeouts, 32 walks and 123 innings pitched. He's a 260 ERA in his last three games, two of those games against Houston, like I mentioned and Texas. Um, and then for the Yankees, Jameson Tyone's going, he's got a 10 and two record, 372 ERA, 92 strikeouts, 17 walks and 109 innings pitched this year. He had a 550 ERA. In July, the Mariners are rolling right now, so I'm going to take Seattle as a dog. Scott, your Yankees against the Mariners. Yeah, I like Seattle in the spot. 
I understand the Yankees tax. It's alive and well, especially after they were buyers of the deadline. Tyone has not been very good. Yeah. And it's a big reason why the Yankees made a move for Montes. It's a big reason why the Yankees are still potentially focused on getting another pitcher. I know Yankees fans are still clamoring for Rodon, for example. It's because a lot of the back end of the rotation has not been great. Whether it involves Montgomery, whether it involves Tyone, they've been regressing pretty strongly. And Tyone, he was really good against the against the Red Sox when I was at the game and they won 14-1. to Besides that one start, he's been pretty underwhelming uh, to go through with the other starts around it. Six innings and no runs against the Royals. That's good, but of course it's the Royals. Uh, two and two and two thirds against the Orioles for two runs. Six innings, one run against the Red Sox. That's the start I said. Start before that, five innings, six runs against the Red Sox. Five and a third, five runs against Pittsburgh. Five innings, three runs against the Athletics. Five and two thirds, six runs against Houston. It's not great. Yeah. And Gilbert, you can make an argument. He's been Seattle's best pitcher this year, or sure. at least like top two pitchers in their, in their rotation. I think I'm looking at Seattle based solely on the price. It's a very good deal, in my yeah. opinion. So I'm going to go with Seattle. Yeah. I mean, Logan Gilbert on the road, six and one so far this year, 2.47 ERA. Um, you know, he, like uh, Noah mentioned, he's pitched well against the Astros in his last two starts where he only gave up two earned runs in about six innings pitch. So, um, I do like Logan Gilbert uh, and the Mariners in this spot as well. Possibly looking at his strikeout props as well uh, in this game against the Yankees. Uh, you have any thoughts on that uh, strikeout prop for Logan Gilbert uh, there, Noah? Uh, not not much. Uh, just the Astros aren't one of those teams that I like to target when it goes to like um, th- them striking out often in a game. So um, it would have to be open pretty low for me to look at it tomorrow. We'll see. As far as you know, him facing the Yankees, do you think that's you know because I think Yankees are one of the teams that do strike out a lot. My bad, I thought they were facing the Astros. No, I just mentioned that uh, against the Astros that he had two starts against the Astros where he did have eight strikeouts and six strikeouts in those two games respectively. I, I thought maybe against the Yankees who do do strike out quite often that you know that number may be around six and a half for uh, Logan Gilbert. For the Yankees, yeah. you should you should blindly wait for the lineups when it comes to whatever because you got to see if Gallo's playing or not. So that's always automatic three. I was going to say it's like an automatic. It's an automatic two or three. I'm assuming he's not going to be in the lineup arguably ever again for the Yankees. So we'll see what yeah. happens moving forward. But I think I'd have to lean over because we've seen the Yankees perform well offensively in the later innings, mostly against the bullpen. Yeah. Against the starters in the last couple of weeks. They've really not been good for about the first five. They really have been doing most of their damage in the later innings. And as a result, I think I would take the over with Gilbert because the Yankees might struggle early on, then maybe get to Seattle's bullpen. But they I think it's on the pens. Pitch. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, let's keep it moving here. Next game on the board, it's going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks in Cleveland to take on the Guardians. 7 10 Eastern start. Pretty good pitching matchup here. Zach Gallen versus Tristan McKenzie. Um, for their respective teams looking at the opening lines for this game i am seeing the guardians a home favorite of minus 135 plus 115 on the money line for the arizona diamondbacks over under set at seven and a half reduced towards the over at minus 115 run line minus one and a half plus 115 for the guardians and plus one and a half minus 175 uh for the uh arizona diamondbacks yeah i know we're talking about this offline i really do like the pitching matchup here between these two pitchers zach gallon has been, you know, solid this season. By far the best pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks this season. Five and two with a three point two four ERA. 
Uh, last five games, he's uh, he only has one win. He hasn't doesn't have any losses, but again, it feels like that he's just not getting the run support in those games. But uh, on the road so far this year, two and two with a three point two four ERA is uh, Zach Gallon. His last two starts against teams that are, I guess, not great offensively, which was uh, the Giants in the Washington Nationals combined. In those two games, we even go back further against the Giants. He's faced the Giants two out of his last three starts. He's gone, uh, let's see, 18 and two-thirds innings pitch. Only allowed four, three earned runs in that span. So he's been looking really good. Tristan McKenzie on the mound for uh, the Cleveland Guardians on the season so far. He is currently 7-7 seven and seven with a 3.24 ERA, 106 strikeouts with 30 walks. Last five games, he's been absolutely brilliant for the Guardians. 3-1 and one with a 1.34 ERA. 33 strikeouts and 33 innings pitched for the Guardians. Last start against the Red Sox, he, he did give it up a little bit. Uh, four earned runs and seven innings pitched. But outside of that, like I said, he's been uh, brilliant. I wish this number was at eight so I can take the under in this game. Uh, but I, I, I'm leaning towards looking at the Diamondbacks' first five innings in this game uh, with Zach Gallen on the mound. Uh, I, I think that runs are going to be at a premium here. McKenzie... He has kind of been inconsistent throughout the season, um, and he hasn't faced the greatest of offenses over his – you know, he faced the Royals, didn't give up any runs there. Tigers, same story there. Uh, the White Sox, he gave up one earned run in about five and two-thirds, but um, I think this might be a sneaky spot for the Diamondbacks. We won't be getting it, but since we do talk about every game here, I would lean with the Diamondbacks' first five in this game. Uh, Scott, do you have any thoughts for this game? I like the first five under. In this one, I'm not expecting many runs. McKenzie's last two home starts, 15 innings pitched, zero runs. So I don't think Arizona's going to do much offensively. The team total should be very low, though. So if you can get a three and a half, maybe consider it. But yeah. I think I'm just looking at first five unders here because Cleveland's offense we know is a bit streaky. And if you kind of pitch around Ramirez, I don't think anybody else really scares you. Mm -hmm. So I think that Gallon and McKenzie should pitch well. I like the first five under. I think you'll see a very low-scoring game before the bullpens get involved. Noah? Yeah, I'm agreeing with both of you guys. I feel like this isn't like one of the more optimal plays that I would take on the slate. I wouldn't force anything today, especially with uh, everything that may happen here at the deadline. But I think the most ideal play, if you're looking to have some kind of uh, action on this game, is that first five under with both of these guys pitching well lately. So, yeah. All right, next game on the board is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays headed to Tampa to take on the Rays. 7-10 Eastern start. Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays. Drew Rasmussen on the mound for the Tampa Bay Rays. Looking at the lines for this game, I'm currently seeing the Blue Jays as a road favorite here. Minus 130 on the money line. Tampa Bay Rays plus 110 uh, on the take-back price. Over-under set at 7 with juice towards the over at minus 115. Run line. Minus one and a half, plus 140 for the Toronto Blue Jays, and plus one and a half, minus 165 for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays here. Scott, I'll let you lead this one off. Uh, Blue Jays versus the Rays. So it's always difficult when you have a very short money line favorite in a division game. But I think for this one, oh, Gaussman's been so damn good. It, it's, it's really difficult <laughs> to like try to spin it. Uh, especially with how Toronto's been playing lately and the yeah. fact that they've been playing very well. I think I got to go with Toronto. I criticize Tampa for buying at the deadline or for making some moves. I get they're trying to stay afloat while a lot of their key pieces are injured. The problem is for an individual game basis, 
a lot of their key pieces are still injured. So I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. with Toronto because Toronto's go. been hitting the ball well. They have been pitching relatively well. Gaussman, we know, has been very solid. And Rasmussen is a pretty good pitcher, but the length is never there. So you're assuming he'll, go, he'll give you five. And then they're going to take their chances with the bullpen, but Tampa's bullpen's been hit or miss lately because they have a bunch of injuries. So I'll take the healthier team with more firepower. And for me, the much better offense by far. I'll take Toronto. Hello. Yeah, my only position on this game is like regarding a huge splash here at the deadline. I'm not too impressed by Toronto. They are rolling right now, but you have to take into account that four of those games were against Detroit. Um, <laughs> so for me, in the long run, I, I I think I'm out on Toronto. But right now, I think both teams are in opposite directions right now. Toronto, they're 10-2 in their last 12. Tampa's 2-7 in their last nine games. Um, I really... I'm kind of with Scott here. I, I I think the moves that Tampa Bay is making right now aren't for the right now. They're for a month down the road, um, just to kind of they're they're staying afloat. They're these aren't win now moves. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah, and I agree with it. What uh, Insane was saying in the in the chat there that I I there's there's been points where I've been betting on the race where you just can't trust their offense. You know you don't know what, who's going to show up and uh, you know who's more times than not they haven't been showing up so. I'll go with the Blue Jays here as well with with uh, with uh, Kevin Gossman on the mound uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. I trust their offense a lot, a hell of a lot more than the uh, Tampa Bay Rays here as well. Uh, before we keep it going here, let me tell you guys about IP Vanish, the VPN that we use at uh, SGPN. Did you know that using or browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security. You might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why we at SGPN use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones. Even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off the yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. So all you got to do is go to ipvanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% in savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. All right, gentlemen, let's keep the ball rolling here. Got an NL East matchup between the Philadelphia Phillies in Atlanta to take all the Braves, a 720 Eastern start. I'm seeing Nick Nelson is on the mound for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies and Spencer Strider on the mound for the uh, Atlanta Braves. Uh, I do not see a line for – actually, I do. I'm sorry. Minus 225 for the Atlanta Braves, plus 190 for the Philadelphia Phillies. Over-under set at 8 uh, run line minus one and a half, minus one hundred five for the Atlanta Braves, and plus one and a half, minus one fifteen for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, Noah, I'll let you leave this one off, uh, off, buddy. Phillies and the Braves. Yes, we'll see what happens tomorrow or later tonight. Uh, Philadelphia, they could use quite a bit <laughs> um, bullpen help, uh, outfield. Atlanta, it's mainly just outfield help that they could use. 
For Philly, though, they're starting Nick Nelson. I don't know if he's been an opener for most of the year, but this is either a normal opening or his first start of the season. He's been more of a one-inning, two-inning guy. He's 3-1 and one with 394 ERA, 48 strikeouts, 23 walks, and 48 innings pitched. And for Atlanta, Spencer Strider's going. He's 5-3 and three on the year, 314 ERA, 120 strikeouts, 31 walks, and 80.1 innings pitched. We'll see if Atlanta chooses to limit his innings. He's nearing that threshold where last year he had, I forget how many innings it was, but I know he's getting close to that total. And normally it's like with these guys that go maybe 30 innings more the next year. So we'll be interesting to see how they manage Strider because I assume he's going to be one of He's going to be a starter that they want, or at least a long reliever in the playoffs. So they're going to have to manage his arm. Um, he has a 323 ERA in July, but take out the 1 5 run game against Washington that he had. Mm-hmm. He has a 123 ERA in those four starts. I like Atlanta on the run line this game. I think the money line's a little bit juiced. Um, so that's going to be my play for this one. Scott? Yeah, I'm on the same page. I'm biased, though. I watched Nick Nelson with the Yankees for two years. I thought he sucked. So <laughs> I know he's been okay this year, but I've, I've seen the Nick Nelson experience. I'm not a fan. And for uh, just to be completely honest, I mean, I like Strider a lot. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned I the too. half joke there with Nelson. I still don't trust him because I'm still scarred. But Strider is a very, very solid young pitcher. We've seen his strikeout props be really, really just profitable. Up to mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. And the Phillies, I mean, they've done a good job of staying afloat while Harper's been out. Atlanta's still the better team, and they have a better starting pitcher. And I still think that Atlanta is going to take advantage of home field because they're 36 and 21 at home. So I'll take the run one with Atlanta. Even if Nelson pitches well, he probably will be an opener to some degree. I The Phillies' bullpen's been better recently, except when Munaf takes the run line. But I'm still going to go with the Braves here because I just think they have the much better actual team and the much better starting pitcher. That wound was was just about closed in, and Scott just had to rip it back open. Yep. Had to bring it, had to bring it back. I'm so, not even going to get into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. You're, you're, I mean, you just have the better pitcher on the mound. The, the offense uh, for the uh, – for the Braves has, has been doing well as well. Um, not much else for me. You talked about the strikeout prop as well. That'll be interesting to see what number it comes out out tomorrow. Um, he's the strikeout prop, at least over his last two games, he's had he had four against the uh, Washington Nationals, but that was two four innings. And then he had six against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies in his last start, uh, where he was brilliant in that game against his Phillies team. He only gave up one earned run um, in six innings pitched uh, to the Philadelphia Phillies. So, I think all of us are here on the uh, Atlanta Braves run line for this game. All right, guys, let's keep it moving here. Let's go with the next game on the board, uh, AL Central matchup between the Detroit Tigers and the Minnesota Twins, 740 Eastern start. Matt Manning makes his return for the Detroit Tigers in this game. Chris Archer on the mound for the Minnesota Twins. Looking at the lines for this game, I am seeing the Minnesota Twins a minus-195 favorite plus 165 on the money line for the Detroit Tigers over under set at nine with a little bit of juice towards the under at minus 115 run line minus one and a half plus 105 for the Minnesota Twins and plus one and a half minus 125 for the Detroit Tigers. Um, I'll, I'll leave this one off here, guys. Um, Matt Manning, you know, he, he's coming back from injury and I, I'm sure Noah will expand on this, but uh, he last pitched, I think it was back all the way in April. <laughs> 
Uh, his last appearance was against that Kansas City Royals team. So not much really to go off of here. Uh, I'll let Noah expand on that. But um, Chris Archer, as a $1.95 favorite, almost a $2 favorite, I don't think I can get behind that. He has really been struggling over his last two starts in particular. He gave up six earned runs and in three innings to the Milwaukee Brewers. He gave up four earned runs to the Chicago White Sox in four and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, in two of his last three games, he's given up at least six walks to the opposition. So I think that if Troy is able to stay patient here at the plate and possibly try to draw those walks, I think they can get on base and create some havoc against uh, Chris Archer here. So at a price of minus 195, there's no way I'm putting my money on uh, the Minnesota Twins here. Plus one and a half on the run line for the Tigers at minus 125 seems like something more up my alley here. But, no, I want to get your thoughts on the return of Matt Manning here, if you could give us some more uh, information about that. Um, Manning hasn't really been impressive to me, at least. Uh, in, in the minors, the only reason why he kind of made that jump to the majors was due to you know pitching staff injuries last year. And then you look at this year, and it's even worse. We're on starting pitcher number 15. Um, but Manning, man, he's so inconsistent. Like, he's just got a straight fastball that goes about 95, and he's dealing with a little bit of shoulder issues. So I don't know what he's sitting at right now. I'm really interested to see, like, this start tomorrow. But before I do anything, I'm waiting to see if we sell this bullpen because this bullpen is one of the best in the MLB, surprisingly. Um, I'm not used to saying that as a Tigers fan over the years, but it's going to be tough seeing we have Andrew Chafin, Joe Jimenez, Michael Fulmer, and Gregory Soto that could all be dealt here. And otherwise, I would like this plus one and a half or money line for the Tigers, but if these pieces are being dealt last minute, this bullpen's shredded. Uh, There's not enough guys even in Minnesota to, to get out there um, to pitch. So uh, for me, I would like a bullet on a Tigers money line or run line if they are there because we don't – surprisingly, we're a terrible offense, but that doesn't strike out really that often. Yeah. And we're patient at the plate. Um, the, well, the most, only, most of your guys. Most of our guys. I won't mention Javi Baez. <laughs> no, He's kind say. of like okay. the right-handed Joey Gallo there. Throw him a slider outside that's two feet off the plate. The whole stadium knows it's fucking coming except for him. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, it I forget where I was going. <laughs> you said you like the Tigers because you just think I, there's value on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you, maybe even first five. I, I think I would m- – somewhat be able to talk myself into hey manning could be okay and the price is just off with manning's first start and he hasn't looked impressive um knowing that you know archer is going to give you three or four runs due to the traffic on the base pass that happens every start so it just really depends i'm not gonna have a play on this game at least until six ten. but yeah that's all that's too much that I should have said on this game. I spent too much time on it, but there you go. <laughs> Scott, thoughts on this game? Tigers twins. Uh, I'm going with Tigers first five. We talked about the bullpen. It's basically non-existent for Detroit as it shouldn't be because they're the only pieces worth a damn. So yeah. they had kind of had to get something for prospects, but Archer has been a mess. I know and Sano mentioned in the comment section that he likes the walk prop on Archer. He brought it up. I'm not going to tell you to take an under on a walk prop with Archer because he walks half the damn league. But I'm going to go with the Tigers because I mentioned before with DeGrom how I typically fade pitchers off the IL. 
There is a caveat to that. I fade pitchers off the IL when favored because I don't think they should be. I think they're mispriced. Yeah. Archer is about minus 200. Yeah, like no I know way. Manning was good in April over in his career. He has not been very good, but the no. point is even if Manning is mediocre, he can at least match Archer because I don't expect much from Archer in this spot. I'm going to go and take the Tigers first five full game. I probably lean Tigers too, but I'm going to stay away because I don't trust the Tigers to actually hold the lead. Give me Tigers first five, hoping that they can get three across against Archer, and we'll take our chances. Yeah, the only thing that kind of gives me pause about the the walk prop is that the Tigers are number twenty nine out of thirty teams as far as uh, team walk percentage at six point seven. So we don't um, we don't strike out, but we also don't walk. It's just yeah, they suck. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, next game on the board. It's going to be an NL Central matchup. Chicago, uh, sorry, Chicago Cubs. In St. Louis to take on the Cardinals, 745 Eastern start. Keegan Thompson on the mound for the Chicago Cubs and, and uh, Adam Wainwright on the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, looking at the lines for this game, minus 155 home favorites for the St. Louis Cardinals, plus 135 on the money line for the Chicago Cubs. Over-under set at 8 with juice towards the over at minus 115. Run line, minus 1.5, plus 140 for the Cardinals, plus 1.5, minus 165 for the Cubbies. Um, looking at this game, Scott, I'll let you lead this one off, buddy. I'm not going to spend much time on it. I'm going to go with the under. Uh, I know that it's juiced over to the eight, so maybe wait till eight and a half. But you got Wainwright at home against the Cubs. Contreras might get traded, or he should be. Hat might get traded. He should be. We'll see what happens. I doubt both of them are going to stay. I'm assuming one, at least one of them will be gone. But Wainwright at home, I'm assuming he'll pitch well. And Keegan Thompson, his numbers on the road are not amazing, but you want to look at his recent numbers. He's been okay. And his overall season numbers, 3.16 ERA. I know the Cubs' bullpen's a disaster, which is not a fun time, but I'm going to lean to the under. I think this total's a bit too high. If it gets to 8.5, I'll pounce on it, but at 8, I'll still take the under, but not as confidently. Noah? I think that's a super sharp play because um, you look at these two teams potentially could be the biggest it's not going to make sense when I say it, but fire sales. You look at the Cardinals, if they pull the trigger on Juan Soto, which at this point we don't expect them to. They're trading half they do, the They're trading half of their starters. It's Dylan Carlson. It's um, shit, Tyler O'Neill. Um, Harrison Bader might go. That's three starters off of this roster. And then you look at Wilson Contreras. He's gone. Uh, Scott already mentioned the Cubs. But um, this could be a huge underplay. Uh, very, very sharp. Get in it now before these guys get traded because i i still like it with both aces on the mound maybe first five is the ultimate lock there yeah i mean everything you guys just said i agree with 100 and adam wainwright um over his last three starts dating back to last year since 2021 22 innings pitch he's only allowed three earned runs to the um to the to the chicago Cubs. so and like we're saying that if ian happ or wilson Contreras or some of the other guys are on the move here um, you know, this I think this might be a good spot to take it under in this game as well. Uh, all right, guys, let's keep it moving here. Next game on the board, it's going to be the Baltimore Orioles in Texas in Arlington. Take on the Texas Rangers, 805 Eastern Star. Jordan Lyles on the mound for the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Spencer Howard on the mound for the Texas Rangers. Looking at the uh, odds and the lines for this game, minus 115 home favorites for the Texas Rangers. Minus 105 for the Baltimore Orioles. Over-under set at 8.5 with juice towards the over at minus 120. Run line minus 1.5 plus 160 for the Texas Rangers and plus 1.5 minus 190 for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, 
No, I'll let you lead this one off, bud. Uh, yeah, the morale in Baltimore is just kind of crushed, and this is only the beginning with Trey Mancini Monday night. I expect um, Jorge Lopez to also go, and maybe even Bautista. This bullpen's really good that they could honestly piece apart here and get a good return on. Um, I will say this. The return, we didn't touch on this. The return for Mancini is a little bit interesting. They're both not pros- They're both prospects that won't be in the MLB here in the coming years. It'll mm-hmm. probably take them two to three years. They're both a pitcher, like a ball pitchers. Um, but yeah, it's, they were competing, winning games and they still sold. So I think that's a huge morale, like downer um, here. Jordan Lyles, he's seven and eight, four fifty six ERA, 97 strikeouts, 40 walks and 118.1 innings pitched. It doesn't help the morale when he's got a 638 road ERA and this Texas offense has been somewhat manageable. They have put up a couple of runs or they have put up runs in a couple of games here. Spencer Howard, he's two and two on the year. Oh, of six for quality starts five ninety three ERA, 26 strikeouts, 12 walks and 30.1 innings pitched. I lean Texas to win this game, but I like the overplay a little bit more. I think that runs are going to be scored galore in this one. And I like Texas to win it. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with the over. Uh, Spencer Howard killed me his last time out because I might have laid 135 with Otani first five, and Howard gave up no runs. I'm going to credit that to the Angels being a useless franchise. I'm not going to fully give credit to Howard for that, but Howard's not any good. I mean, I mean, yeah. we've seen him for several years, either in Philly or in Texas. He's just not a good pitcher. And Lyles has been okay in spots, but Texas offensively has been good. We know that... Seager's been hitting bombs. Garcia's still capable of generating a lot of power. And you mentioned how Baltimore might be trading the entire bullpen. That's kind of the only attractive trade pieces they have, right? Yeah. So I still think that if that's the case, then Baltimore's bullpen might be in shambles. We'll see what happens there. But I like the over as well. Two pitchers I don't exactly like. Baltimore might be trading the only, I'd say, great pitching piece of that team, which is the bullpen. And Texas offensively has been good lately, so I'll go with the over. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to put you under the bus here, but Corey Seager is still day to day with a leg injury, so he's been hitting bombs. But we don't even know if he's going to be in there. But still, like the that, over. that's a fair point to mention. I I am not sure if he's going to play, so you can throw it in there. He's not on the IL though, right? No, he's just day to day. That's what I'm saying. So, he has like a he has a bad bruise or something. Yeah, it seems like Texas is kind of picking their spots. So maybe I'm just hoping that Seager is back in the lineup with. I'm hoping to. Like yes, yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, it's a good point to make, which I didn't fully mention. But point is, I still don't like either pitcher, so I'll go with the no. over. Yeah, I agree with you guys. That, that was the play that I did like in this game over eight and a half. Uh, you guys already mentioned everything about these pitchers as well, so I won't waste too much time There's on that. There's a whole so. lot of agreement on this pod. Yeah, over eight and a half uh, for this game between the Orioles and the Rangers. All right, next game on the board is going to be the Boston Red Sox in Houston to take on the Astros. 8-10 Eastern start. Cutter Crawford on the mound for the Boston Red Sox. Christian Javier is going to be on the mound for the uh, Houston Astros. Looking at the opening lines for this game, Astros are a north of $2 favorite, minus 225 on the money line, plus 190 for the Boston Red Sox. Over-under set at 8 with juice towards the under at minus 115. Run line, minus 1.5, minus 110 for the Houston Astros. Plus 1.5, minus 110 as well for the Boston Red Sox. Um, I'll leave this one off here, man. Uh, Cutter Crawford... Doesn't really uh, excite me, I guess, to say the least. But he's been um, okay. yeah, he hasn't been bad, and that's the whole thing, right? But like, 
I, I'm not sure how much faith I can put into this offense when they're missing, you know, Rafael Devers. And again, this might be the last game tonight for J.D. Martinez in a Red Sox uniform because he has been linked to the – and even Christian uh, Vasquez, uh, they've been linked to the um, to the New York Mets. I'm sorry. Uh, Cutter Crawford over his last five games, one and one with a 2.57 ERA. Uh, last start against the uh, Guardians, he was really good. Five and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run given up. Uh, in that game prior to that against the uh, Blue Jays and the uh, Rays, he gave up three earned runs in six innings. But again, lack of run support really has been the uh, really been the factor for uh, Cutter Crawford. Uh, Christian Javier, uh, he's been pretty decent for the uh, Houston Astros on the season so far this year. Six and six with 3.26 ERA at home, four and three with a 2.55 ERA. Last five games, he has struggled a little bit. One and three of the 4.56 ERA did struggle against the Oakland A's in his last start, where he did give up three earned runs to the um, to the A's there in five innings. But um, I have to go with the Astros' run line here. I, I just don't have faith in this Boston Red Sox team right now. The offense, a lot of question marks. Again, like I said, Christian Vasquez probably not may not be on this roster come uh, on Tuesday night in this game. Same thing with J.D. Martinez. They've been linked to the Mets, and it just doesn't seem like – or they, the Red Sox don't know what they want to do because I, they are in the wild card hunt, but I'm not sure they have enough to even compete in the playoffs. And, and you know, we don't know if Chris Sell is going to be back either. But as far as this game, Christian Javier on the mound, uh, give me uh, the Houston Astros on the run line here, uh, Scott. I was going to say Noah wants to say Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Noah. Did you bury the lead? Aren't you going to this game, Munaf? I am going to this game, yeah. There you go. I am. That's, I will that's be how you lead. Yeah. Over. <laughs> Let's see some runs for him. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Noah, why don't you give your handicap for this game if you have one? Um, my handicap is I, I think the Houston Astros have – um, all of the momentum in this matchup. Uh, it's a nice little ALCS rematch too, um, but Boston has kind of been slumping. They're getting ready to sell. Um, Javier has done everything that the Astros could have asked him to and more, in my opinion. The record's not there, but that's not his fault, and he's got a great area in the year. His last four have not been his sharpest outing, so it might be the beginning of a decline. Um, I feel really bad because I dumped him off the uh, Malcolm in fantasy, but uh, I, I like the Astros. Sorry, Munaf. Yeah, I agree with you. I do. Like, I like the Astros too, uh, Scott. I agree, but I think you can have a bit of a cute spin on this if you want to take the Red Sox first five team total, probably over one and a half. Because you look at Javier's recent numbers, and his overall season numbers are good, but he's given up at least three earned runs in three of his last four starts. He's also not gotten past the fifth inning in uh, in three of his in each of his last four starts. So if you want to look for potentially buying low on a retooled Red Sox lineup, can we say that? I think one yeah. and a half is not bad for a team total since Javier has been struggling recently. So that's when kind is- of a what? Sorry, sorry, no, no. When when is this game time? Uh, what game time, time is it at? Yeah, what time? Eastern. Okay, so you got you got an hour to wait and see what kind of action happens here. Whether JD's gone, and if he is gone, buy it low, like Scott said. Just saying, yeah. I, I think that just because Houston's going to win doesn't mean that there isn't any value to be found on Boston. You're so right. if you want to take a unique spin, which once again you're back in pretty much a bunch of unknown commodities in the lineup. But Javier has not been good enough in the first five for a team total of one and a half, in my opinion, against him. 
I I don't know this, uh, Moonoff, but is Tristan yeah. Casas ready? <sighs> I don't think so. That's I mean, if he was, right? they would have, they would have brought him up by now. Like, Aren't they going to save him for September for the forty men? Yeah, that and that that could be possibly it as well. But I I just don't think that. I mean, with, with the lack of hitters that they do have right now, with Devers being out of the lineup and some of the other guys and and opportunity being there, they. If they would have brought him up, they would have brought him up by now. But I agree with Scott. They're probably going to wait till September to bring him up where they're probably going to be out of it um, in the playoff picture. I just need um, one home run from Dahl back in the first five, and maybe I can cash this team total over. Just I'm a win. sucker for Only Bobby, game. too. I, oh, I don't I don't like him at all. I think he's a bad player, but he occasionally hits home runs. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, guys. Two games left on the schedule here um, to handicap at least. Uh, let's go with the Kansas City Royals here. At the Chicago White Sox, 8-10 Eastern start. Brady Singer on the mound for the Kansas City Royals. Lucas Giolito on the mound for the Chicago White Sox. Um, currently do not see a line for this game. Let me refresh the page here. I see about 165-170. Uh, okay. Uh, for, yeah, Lucas Giolito favored in this oh. game. Um, uh, I, huge yeah. news. Did you guys see this? No, the I did Austin not. Austin Riley deal. 10 oh, years, got 10 years, 10 12 right? Mil. Yeah. Oh, 10 years, how much? 212. Okay. Wow. Not too bad. It's a good deal for Atlanta. Just set the record yeah, for most team, extra base hits in a month. Team friendly. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that they pay him and not Freddie. Yeah, that was a whole debacle. I think that's an off season conversation. Well, they, I was going to say they allegedly paid Freddie. The agent just didn't tell him about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. Scott, I'll let you lead this uh, game off uh, with the. Uh, Royals and the White Sox. Well, we've agreed on a lot for this podcast. I think we actually might split here. I'm going to go with Kansas City. And they're a bad team. Don't get me wrong. I know Bobby Witt just got hit in the hand, so I'm not sure if he's even going to play in this game. But Perez is back, so they got somebody worth a damn. But the White Sox being favored minus 165 with Giolito, I just can't get behind. Senior was great against the Yankees on, I believe, Friday night, which they lost one nothing. But Singer has been good recently, and Giolito is a guy who I'm still not a big fan of. He pitches to contact in 2022, which isn't exactly a good recipe for success. But I think I'll go with Kansas City first five because that bullpen for Kansas City has been a mess lately. But I do think there's some value backing Singer against Giolito. Give me Kansas City. Yeah, I like Kansas City team total in this game. Um, Giolito at home so far this season, or since he made his return back, he hasn't been very good. He's two and four with a 6.28 ERA. You've kind of take a look at what has happened in his last couple of home starts against the Guardians. He gave up six earned runs in three innings against the Detroit Tigers. He gave up five earned runs in six and two thirds against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. He gave up seven earned runs in about five innings. So he's giving it up at home. And I think that if you're able to finally I don't know. I don't know if it will be at a one and a half, but even at two and a half, I think the rules can put up some runs. I mean, we saw them do it against the Yankees this weekend, uh, but uh, Julio, yeah, five team. Yeah. First five and a half. Yeah. Um, So that's something I would go with in this game. Um, And if if the run line on the, on the um, rules at a decent price as well, that's one way I would look at this game as well. But Noah Royals and White Sox here. The Royals are feisty. Um, I didn't think. Why that do we agree a, on everything? I, I don't know. I didn't think that we were, but we have a lot of shitty pictures. One sixty-five is not a great price on Giolito. I mean, it's the name. That's that's what it is. It's like you mentioned it earlier with the Yankees, and Giolito has been great earlier in his career. Coming off of injury this year, he is not. 
and Singer has been rolling lately. I think he's had two great starts in a row, so I really like the price on Kansas City. Um, if you're looking for a different play from me, <laughs> um, Kansas City first five. All right. Um, so we have a couple games left here. I know the Oakland A's uh, are in L.A. to take on the Angels. With Frankie Montas was going to be on the mound for them. But like we talked about at the top of the show, he's now being traded over to the New York Yankees. Probable he, pitcher for the Angels, too, is Syndergaard, and he might get yeah, dealt, too. And he I'm might get say, dealt can, as can well. Can Sears start for Oakland? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Possibly. It's an option. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a pitcher for Oakland, but I'm going to lean to Oakland anyway because whatever the Angels are, <laughs> they're going to be overpriced. It's probably. Yeah. True. I don't have much for this game either. Noah, do you have anything else? Uh, Syndergaard, 5 and 8, 383 ERA, 64 strikeouts, 22 walks, 80 innings pitched. Uh, he's been a guy that, you know, he's been rolling with his strikeouts lately. Uh, he gives up runs, but he does tally up the strikeout total pretty easily. Uh, one thing. One thing on this game stolen yeah. base props. Yeah, over yeah, on take, take the Tony Kemp. The Tony yeah. Kemp, anybody who can get on base, just that anybody kid. who who might get on first base, his Cindergard is I'd say John Lester level bad <laughs> at keeping runners on first base. <laughs> um Kemp has found a little bit of a power stroke. He yeah. hit two of them over the past like five games. Two but he can get on base. So I don't mind a and stolen base prop if you want to fade Cindergard. Yeah. yeah, this is, I think, something we also talked about uh, in the, too. In the yeah. Discord channel as well um, with when Syndicard is on the mound about taking looking at uh, some stolen base, prop, stolen base props uh, for him. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you guys there. Uh, Oakland, uh, they are number 25 in the entire league as far as team strikeout percentage. So maybe if Syndicard, you know, keeps that strikeout uh, prop rolling as something to explore when those lines do drop uh, for this game as well. So All right, gentlemen, this- last – yeah, sorry. This deal that the Braves made with Riley, biggest in franchise history. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what Acuna is going to get then. Yeah. Um. All right, gentlemen. Last game on the board. The LA Dodgers are in San Francisco to take on the Giants. Nine forty-five Eastern start. Tyler Anderson on the mound for the uh, LA Dodgers. Alex Wood is on the mound for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Looking at the lines for this game. Currently seeing the Dodgers are a minus 140 favorite uh, and the Giants are home puppy plus 120 on the money line over under set at eight with juice towards the under at minus 115 run line minus one and a half plus 125 for the Dodgers and the Giants plus one and a half minus 145 uh, for uh, the run line on them. Tyler Anderson this season has been pretty good for the Dodgers. He is on the season. Um, 11 and 1 with a 2.61 ERA. 91 strikeouts, not a big strikeout guy, uh, but he does also have 19 walks on the season so far this year. Over his last five games this season, 3 and 0 with a 1.11 ERA, 32 and one third innings pitched, only allowed four earned runs in that span. Did face the Giants earlier this year, where he, uh, which was actually back on July 22nd. He only gave up one uh, one run in that game. It wasn't earned, but he get he. Went six innings in that game, only allowed four hits as well to the San Francisco Giants. On the road this season, 5-1 and one with a 2.63 ERA. 16 earned runs allowed in 52 and two-thirds innings pitched. Alex Wood, left-handed pitcher on the mound for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Not very good for him on the season thus far. Um, as my page loads up here. Um, he is 7-8 and eight on the season with a 4.11 ERA. 99 strikeouts at 25 walks. 
he has been good over his last five games with a two and one record uh, with a 1.65 ERA, but against the Dodgers this season, oh, and two with a 4.85 ERA. And again, the Giants offense just really hasn't been there this season, especially uh, in the second half of the season's all-star game. So I feel like we're getting a little bit of a discounted price here on Tyler Anderson uh, for the Dodgers. I possibly, and anytime I do bet on the Dodgers, I'm automatically looking at the run line for them because most of their games or most of their victories this season have come by two or more runs. So at a plus price here with Tyler Anderson, minus one and a half plus one twenty five, I will take that with the Dodgers. Scott, what do you got for this game? For me, I'm going to go with the Dodgers as well. I like Anderson. I'm not a big fan of Wood. The Dodgers had a historically good July, so they're in great form. And I still think the Giants might sell at the deadline. There's rumors about Rodon. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Jock Peterson potentially is traded. I don't mm-hmm. think Peterson would play in this game anyway because Anderson's a lefty, but you get my point. The point is the Giants are selling some pieces. The Dodgers just swept them about a week ago. But Anderson I really like. Wood I'm really not a big fan of. And the Dodgers are the better team. So I'll go with the Dodgers. No, um, I'm quickly doing a little bit of math before I give out my nugget on wood, but I am uh, actually a little bit higher on wood than Scott is. Wood has a 1.8 ERA in his last four starts. Uh, he pitched great in July. So um, for me, I gave out this angle in the Discord channel yesterday when a lot of people started to go with you know the the Taylor made Dodger minus one and a half. This year, uh, not counting Monday night's game, we'll see what happens. But I actually have the Giants winning Monday night as well. The Giants are three and zero at Oracle and zero and seven at Dodger Stadium. All of these games have been really close and exciting. And with them being a dog and how hot Wood has been, barring any trades, um, whether it's Jock, uh, but I don't think Jock's really going to start against the left-handed pitcher. Um, I like the Giants to win this one. So I'm going to, again, going to play them as a dog here with Alex Wood on the mound. I like the way that he's been pitching his recent form. So yeah. I'm just happy we disagreed about something. Yeah, finally, <laughs> last game. Of the, the last game of the board, huh? All right, guys, before we get into our lock and dog, let me tell you about the newest sponsor on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is going to be Odds Trader. And a lot of times, you know, guys, we're looking for that one place where we can find the best odds at the many different sports books. That are offered, um, you know, all across. Whether it's in Vegas, whether it's the, you know, the the win bets of the world, uh, Odds Trader provides that platform for you. And they also provide a platform where you can keep track of your bets. I know maybe some people are old school that like to use that pen and paper, uh, but they have a bet tracker, so you know, betters like ourselves can keep track of all of our games and our betting activity. They also provide uh, handicapping um, stats, play by play updates. Live scores and bet tracking, like I mentioned, player statistics, player statistics, key game statistics, and also projected game day weather. And like I mentioned, it's it's really cool to use their bet tracker that allows you to keep records of all the uh, bets that you do place. Um, so all you have to do is just go to oddstrader.com/bluewire to get into all those uh, features that they do offer. It's oddstrader.com/bluewire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. So more breaking news before we get to the lock and dog. Mets, uh, uh, the Astros acquired a Vasquez, no J.D. Martinez. Okay, so congrats. Nice, you got yourself a catcher. A nice little trade right before your series, Muno. Nice. Christian Vasquez just switching locker rooms now over to 
uh, the Houston Astros. That's going to be interesting to see tomorrow. All right, uh, gentlemen. Jason, Jason Castro gave it a hell of a run there with Houston. Same for with like Maldonado. For like the Maldonado time. had no bat. He was all defense. Oh, Maldonado, they're going to keep him around. He's, they're going to keep him, though. Yeah, Castro is being told to take a hike. Yeah, yeah. There you go. For the fourth time. Uh, all right, guys, let's get into our lock and dog for uh, the Tuesday night schedule. Scott, I'll let you lead it off, buddy. Uh, lock and dog for the games here. So for my lock, I am going to go with a first five under between the Dimebacks and the Guardians. I just really like the spot for both pitchers. McKenzie's been amazing at home lately. He's been great overall. Gallon's been good, and he gets no run support, which is a win-win for me. But you're going to be looking at a first five, probably a three and a half, which seems low. I don't think it is because Arizona can't hit at all. They already traded Peralta. They might even be trading another piece or two. We'll see. But either way, I do think you'll see a very low-scoring start to that game. I'll take the first five under in that Dimebacks and Guardians game. All right, and your dog for the night. Uh, my dog's going to be the Mariners' first five on the money line. Uh, you're getting Gilbert at a great price against Tyone. Tyone's been a mess. And the Yankees offensively have been really trying to come from behind a lot. And it seems like for the first couple innings, they do nothing, with the exception of Judge, of course. But I like Gilbert as a pitcher. I think it's a great price. And I'm going to use the Yankees tax in my favor. I'm going to take the Mariners' first five money one. All right. So uh, lock for Scott under in the Diamondbacks and the Guardians game, and then his first dog. five, the first five under. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, first five uh, for Guardians and uh, Guardians and the Diamondbacks, and the first five money line for his dog is going to be the Mariners' first five inning money line against his uh, New York Mets uh, in the Yan- Tuesday Yankees schedule. Oh, I'm sorry, Yankees. Yeah, all good. All right, um, Noah, your turn, my man. Lock and dog. What do you got? The lock is going to be Atlanta minus one and a half. They have uh, right now the better bullpen and Nick Nelson starting for Philadelphia, whereas Spencer Strider's going for Atlanta. Um, the Philly offense has been rolling as of late, but, um, you know, Atlanta, I look for them to make some moves here at the deadline, rejuvenate, um, maybe try to catch this Mets team in the NL East race. But uh, it starts with this one in Strider, 323 in July. Again, he had one bad start. And, of course, it was against the Nationals of all teams. He gave up five runs. If you take that one out, he had a 123 ERA in July. My dog, I'm not going first five. Um, I think that's more of a sharper play. I I like Seattle, plus 140 money line. Um, <clears throat> yeah, sure, uh, the Yankees do pounce on the bullpens lately or like late in games, but Seattle's bullpen um, has been better as of late and they were one of the best bullpens last year. So with all of these guys getting healthier, I really like Seattle and this price tag uh, going up against the Yankees today. All right, there we go. So uh, the bet is going to be you got, uh, Braves run line minus one and a half as your lock there, Noah. And the dog full game money line for the Seattle Mariners against the New York Yankees. Um, for my lock, I am gonna go just a couple of plays that I do like here. Um, for my lock, let's go with the I'm gonna go with the Cardinals run line minus one and a half plus one thirty-five with Adam Wainwright on the mound. I mean, he's owned the Chicago Cubs offense, and we again we don't know who's gonna be on this roster. Come uh, Tuesday night, whether it's and I don't think Wilson Contreras is going to be there. I don't think Ian Happ is going to be there. Cardinals at home. We can say the same thing about uh, the Cardinals offense as well if they do try to get Juan Soto. But I just feel like the the pitching matchup here just favors Adam Wainwright with all everything that we talked about. So I'm going to take the run line here for the uh, uh, St. Louis Cardinals minus one and a half plus one thirty five. 
Um, for my dog, I'm going to go with the LA Dodgers run line minus one and a half plus 125. Um, Tyler Anderson again has been really great so far this season for the uh, LA uh, Dodgers. He's been great on road. He's been great at home. He's done well against the San Francisco Giants, and I'm just not a believer in Alex Wood, even though recently he has been good. But against the uh, Dodgers, he just hasn't been very good. And anytime I do like the Dodgers, I'm looking at that run line. So getting a nice plus price there uh, for me on the Dodgers uh, as a dog is is uh, something that's very enticing to me. Um, so that's going to be my lock. Uh, two plus plays, uh, minus one and a half on the run line for the Cardinals. And minus one and a half for the Dodgers on the uh, run line as well. You could flip flop it either way and get 10 more cents uh, with the Cardinals as a dog as well. All right, gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast. Um, Scott, uh, anything else you want to get off your chest and let the people know where they can find you, man? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Show Radio. Uh, it's nice to be back on the MLB show. Been a while. Uh, besides that, of course, still doing WNBA stuff, doing tennis, doing NBA. Keeping busy. And so is Munaf. So looking forward to making more content. 100%. Noah, anything else you need to get off your chest before we get out of here? More breaking news. And this one, maybe not so friendly, the Rysel's team. Uh, the Yankees have moved uh, Luis Severino to the 60-day, so Montas is going to be a direct replacement for him. Mm-hmm. Severino might be a long reliever in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, fun having Rachel on. I think this is the second time I've uh, talked to him on the pod, and always great conversation, And as you can see, this pod ran right to our one-hour, 30-minute uh, mark um, that we like to like have as a max. Um Again, when, wherever you're listening to uh, podcast-wise, whether it's Apple, Spotify, leave a like, rating, review, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and yeah, I'll be I'll be following up on Twitter, MLB, SGPN, all of this news. I'm just kind of filtering it back out to you guys, whatever I see, given either a retweet or just a little bit of a comment on whatever happens. So uh, exciting times, and then we get into the dog days, and then more exciting times as the pennant chases close down. By the way, Tommy Pham just got traded. Really? They didn't say where. They just said he got traded. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Rosenthal. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. All right, guys. That's going to do it here for the MLB pod. Uh, Make sure you have those notifications on for all the trades that are happening by the second here in MLB as we approach ever so close to the trade deadline uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, Good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride.